When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the pre-roll. Uh, we don't normally do a pre-roll on Campaign Skyjacks. However, I wanted to let everyone know what's going on for the next couple weeks. Over here at Skyjacks HQ, we are managing the very end of our casting process for the role of Oromar Vale. And we're going to start recording with our new cast member at the beginning of next month. But the audition process took a lot of time and ate through a lot of our reserves. So this week and next week, we're airing a behind-the-scenes discussion with Tyler, Liz, and Johnny about the Ungoni arc. And then following that, we've got a special two-part miniseries that I don't want to spoil quite yet. It's really, really cool, and it definitely furthers the main plot, but I'm looking forward to surprising everyone with it. Once the miniseries wraps, we'll have two bottle episodes featuring the old cast before we premiere the first episode with our new Oromar Vale, which means we should be premiering our new Oromar on August 4th. Before we get to our behind-the-scenes discussion, I wanted to take a quick moment and offer a special thank you to Anansi O'Tempest. Anansi is the freelancer that we hired to create Ungoni for us. I think it was the perfect stage for this season, and a really fascinating look at the possibilities of Sphere. So many of the great moments that we shared over the last couple of months would not have been possible without Anansi. So thank you so much for helping us make an unforgettable arc of Skyjacks. Now then, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, we have just finished another arc of Campaign Skyjacks, like literally just finished recording the, the last pieces of it. And we're going to do something that we have never done before which is we're all going to talk about it and, and talk to each other and you about it. So first up, let, let's just give a chance for everybody to introduce themselves on, on the cast. Let's start with Liz. Liz Hi, I'm Jiz Manderson. I am five Jiz Manderson, five. The, the, <laughs> the Jackbox Games MILF. <laughs> I am enjoying uh, refreshing water and... Happy to be here with James D'Amato being interviewed by him. Mm -hmm. And and we're happy to have you here, Liz. Next up, let, let, let's meet uh, every, everybody's everybody's favorite future captain. That is Tyler Davis playing Johnny Kessler. Tyler, say hello. What up? How you doing? I'm good. Uh, I'm I have a green juice, a green. It's just green water. It's pretty gross. Ooh. But I don't eat vegetables, so I need this for my body ah. um <laughs> uh yeah good to be here this is different <laughs> this is different and weird <laughs> and we can we can all acknowledge that we're not comfortable doing this uh and that we might not be good at Wait, it and johnny might johnny might fine. knock it out yeah, of the let's, park let's turn let's let's turn things over to johnny johnny hello i'm johnny o'mara i am drinking a pbr that was gifted to me by jizz manderson Tis I. So, and hmm. I have think you watered this down at all to make it easy? <sighs> no, <laughs> and that's the biggest. Probably, I mean this this last year has been tough. <laughs> you know, we can all agree. <laughs> yeah, but one, I think, I think that the hardest thing for me was finding out that they have discontinued PBR Easy. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. How long did it last? Not long enough. Like, probably two years. <laughs> so, what I think we need to do, Johnny, is we need to take seltzer water. We just really got to water down a PBR and see if that's the same. It pro- re- I really think it's worth investigating. I would try it. I'd be willing to try it. Ooh, ooh, you could <laughs> like get a like peach a peach seltzer water and like a peach seltzer water and PBR. PBR does ooh. have peach yeah. tea. Well, we could get pretty ambitious with it. I think mm. I think PBR and Topo Chico would really be good. I don't know about that. Mm. I feel like that's too many bubbles. Oh, I can I, can, I cannot you know, have I enough really, bubbles. I'm the bubble man. <laughs> <laughs> I I I got soda streams at, at my place because I'm a, a heavy bubble boy. I like those big bubbles. Could you put beer in a soda stream and make it bubblier? So yes and no. Uh, this is really interesting. <laughs> they do develop uh, soda stream like products specifically for carbonating alcohols because when you do it with a normal soda stream. Any, if it's anything apart from water, if it's tea or juice or anything like that, the reaction with the CO2 is going to be extra strong and it causes most SodaStream products to overflow. If you have a longer kind of like nozzle uh, for the CO2, you can make that reaction happen lower down in the bottle and it won't actually overflow huh. into the rest of the device. So like there are, I have tried alcohols that have been carbonated. Th- these are spirits like whiskeys and gins that have straight up been carbonated from one of these devices. And it's really fascinating because it affects the flavor much differently than it would if it was just water. Like CO2 adds a bit of sourness to everything that you drink. And normally you don't think about it, but when when you carbonate like other beverages, it's it's a really fascinating thing, but it's a cool way to make like carbonated soda-based beverages for, you know, cocktails and whatnot without losing any of the alcohol content. I think it's really cool, and that's because I'm a huge nerd. But but we're this... ta- we're talking about like something's already got bubbles in it. Beer already yeah. has bubbles. More bubbles. So, but even if you already have bubbles in it, like it depends on how much you fill it up. And SodaStream, the nozzle is probably just going to be too short. Mm. I hope that if you own a SodaStream <laughs> product at home, that this has helped you understand how you can use your product safely so that you might not damage it and you can continue to enjoy your SodaStream. But we are here to talk about Campaign Sky Jam. No, 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 um, no, no, no. Are we? <laughs> SodaStream podcast. <laughs> so... One of the reasons that I wanted to do this, we we haven't done this before, and one of the reasons that I wanted to do this now is our cast is about to change. We're about to add a new person to the cast. The dynamic is going to be different. So one of the things I wanted us to keep in mind is like we can talk about all the way from the end of Bujanith uh, through the end of Ungoni here, because like we went through a big change like this already with JPC leaving the show. Um, and we have been this particular ensemble for a while now. And we've shared a lot of, a lot of fun moments together. And I, it, you know, other podcasts get to do some of this navel gazy stuff. I hear them do it on the Magnus Archives. They they had a couple of these in their last season. So why not us? Why don't we get one? Let me look at that navel. <laughs> so the 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 first thing that I, I want to ask, and like again, this can be from any time in that stretch, is 
uh, who feels like their character went through a moment that really surprised them, where, where they took things in a direction that they were not expecting to ever go? I mean, I, as as a contributor slash listener, and I'm always very surprised by like the ways in which Travis and Gable are able to make me go, huh? Like, I, I don't know. I like the whole, like traveling with Margaret was like super dope just because Johnny, you have a very interesting character to then be able to like fuck with. And I think it's maybe like a side effect of having like a character that is kind of like the, the jerk, (laughs) but like having the jerk have moments of heart. It's like, oh, fuck. This is this is like really good storytelling. I'm a fan. I think that a lot of the situations that Travis was put into were surprising. Like Margaret, everything with Margaret was surprising, but um, none of the none of the stuff that Travis did was surprising. If that makes sense, like you know, I feel like given that situation that's like exactly what had to happen. Yeah. I mean, so the reason like the introducing Margaret, a character like Margaret to the narrative specifically was, was a pretty big deliberate choice. Like Margaret and the black lilies generally were created by one of our freelancers, Allie Brinken. And uh, I, I took a look at that and was like, Oh, this provides us with a really interesting Avenue for character development because in Neath, after Dref died and we had the scene between Travis and Gable where Travis kind of mentioned, like, I don't know if I miss Dref or I'm sad about it and I don't know if I can be. Uh, to me, as the game master in that circumstance and like one of the people kind of in a directorial position on this show, I was like, Oh man, authentically, we can't have character development for someone like Travis the way we would any other character. Um, And it's because usually you have characters hit moments of development when they go through strife and when they go through like trauma or whatnot, like something big happens and they make a decision to move themselves in a particular direction and, and come through changed. With Travis, Travis has lived through 200 years of trauma and ended up with the personality that he has from that. So, like, there's nothing that I can do. Like, if if somebody close to Travis dies, it's essentially meaningless. And all it would do is compound the personality that he already has. So the way to make Travis develop his character is through, like, somebody willfully and specifically uh, being kind and gentle to him and demanding that he do that for himself. So like Margaret is this perfect X factor of like a character that like doesn't exist in most media because if Margaret showed up in like any other story, she would just solve the problems that those stories are relying on. Like 
How many movies and how many sitcoms rely on characters who never talk to each other and never have the conversation that would obviously fix the huge problem that they've created for themselves? Like Margaret would just ruin the narrative. Here, Travis is like holding on to all of the cards and you've got to like push him to let go of them a little bit. So like that was kind of the theory in there, which is also one of the reasons that I didn't have Margaret hang around longer uh, because she could then become a source of like, well, we've got all these emotional problems and all of these interpersonal diplomatic problems. Let's just have Margaret solve them for us because she's going to be better at it than we are. So um, you're telling but yeah, me yeah, that, that is kind of why I chose to do that. You're telling me we could have gotten rid of young Sheldon after one season. If we had just put <laughs> Margaret on it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, young Sheldon, if he had gone to therapy, Probably there's no way that he could have grown up to be old Sheldon. Yeah, that, um, you heard it here first. Therapy kills you. Therapy <laughs> therapy will destroy all of your favorite flawed protagonist. Dr. House, there's no way Dr. House is maintaining his shit. Uh, Walter White, Walter White is not becoming a crime lord because somebody will intervene and help them find the healthier choices in life. So Tony Margaret Soprano will destroy the worst therapy. versions of you. <laughs> that he uh, that's that, I mean that's true that we we can't help Tony Soprano. So yeah, like that 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 was that was the reasoning behind all of that. Uh I will say I was constantly surprised by decisions that Travis made really throughout those seasons and a lot of the time I felt like I was on my back heels trying to react to the wild changes like Travis wasn't supposed to lose a hand that like and that that like a, a lot of these are like chained coincidental changes and and Johnny as a player is very good at making a decision that is completely authentic to the character but is kind of unexpected and surprising still if you're trying to treat his characters like any other characters and you know I'd, I'd point to the moments that Johnny brought with with Lenik Gilo in, in the previous campaign like always constantly surprising us with with big decisions that moved the world around them in in much different directions it's it's very funny well first of all thank you and second of all it's very funny that you say that because like genuinely and i've mentioned this before but it does not you know i almost feel like i'm in like a fugue state and it's just like no this is just what's happening you know what i mean like i don't feel like i am making those choices a lot of times it's just like this is what this is what travis would do and that that player experience feels very similar and authentic to to mine. I remember, you know, when I was a player, I felt like I was in a similar fugue state where you couldn't ask me like, "What will happen? What will this character do?" And it's like, I don't know. When when we get to that moment, that character is going to make the decision in character that is authentic to them. You can't plan for it. You you can't change it or, or think about it in that way. As as a GM, it is a bit jarring to to have to be on the other side of that, where like these cool world changing things will come out of your mouth, and it's like, okay, I have to figure out in the next couple minutes how to support this and and react to it. So so that's been super fun. Liz, what what of what of Gable? It's so funny you're talking about like my approach to role playing was is so 
different and it's something that I'm trying to break myself out of. Like I'm very deliberate about like, here's the things I want to accomplish with this character. Here's the the ways if this happened, I would do this. And that's first that's bad improv for one. But <laughs> and the other part of it is like Gable, the more I look at them, is very much built like baby's first role-playing character like they're min max they're really big they're really strong and good at magic and they're no everyone loves them so much and that is interesting but that's hard to play so i'm glad that the character has developed and has become its own like kind of dweebish weird personality the things that i liked or yeah the I, I, the way that Gable has been approaching personal trauma has been interesting to me because like it is very like it's 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 uncomfortable as hmm. dealing with a lot of trauma is but like I I'm so concerned with playing it well and giving credence to like how how would someone really react in this situation so decisions like the heart bell were very helpful to me because having tangible things like the weird body horror of it all, the weird, like, I have an idea and I would like to see that come to fruition and having you as GM take that in a way that was both emotional and unexpected that kind of, like, I, I felt very, like, in the moment there. Um, it, gosh, it's... Well, I, I, this, this gets at a lot of things uh, that... I really like about Gable's portrayal, like especially when we talk about things like trauma, because that's something that I don't think any two people like react to the same way, even even if there are shared patterns and whatnot. And I also think that you don't, even an individual person doesn't engage with every bit of trauma that they go through in the same way. Mm -hmm. Like I am somebody who's had a, a couple traumatic events uh, happen in, in my life. And the way that I encounter and deal with those things feels very different every time. And one of the things that actually feels very authentic about Gable is there, it, it feels like Gable is for a lot of it trying to live in a way that they never have to encounter uh, or think about the things that they face difficulty in. Like uh, a lot of it is Gable like gets confronted with something and does their best not to address it. Or, you know, even if, even if it's not like actively they're, they're not trying to address it, they, they are just, well, I'm going to live as though that didn't happen. And what we've been seeing a lot of Gable, the, these past couple arcs, is Gable trying to avoid some of the big questions swirling around them because they're too big. Like you, you, you have expressed this as a player a couple times that like you are finding it hard to engage with like some of the cosmic things that Gable has to deal with, which I feel is very authentic because that's how trauma feels. It's like, oh, this is too big for me to ever address. So I'm just going to carry it with me in the back seat and try not to look in the rear view mirror too much. And that's why I think the the back and forth with Travis was so valuable to me because especially 
you're dealing with the big ideas of immortality and fate and shit like that. But bringing that down to just one relationship and having all those tight, like two different people dealing with different ways and exploring that emotion, it was it made it so much easier to play mm-hmm. and think about like how would I feel about living forever? How would I feel about if someone died? That kind of thing. And remembering that helps bring me down and helps helps me play uh, Gable a lot better. Uh, Tyler, because you sort of threw discussion of Jonnet over to Gable and Travis, I do want to pull things back. Jonnet is... I, I think a character who like very quintessentially we're watching a lot of things happen at him and he is trying to make the best of those circumstances. Like in Nordia, Jonnet being a person who's got ability and power, you know, so many times jumped in and put himself in harm's way so that he could help people around him. And the thing that he is kind of having to deal with a lot in like, each arc, even all the way back in Bujanith, is how the people uh, around him are reacting to his power and his abilities, which, you know, th- there are a lot of expectations that are getting heaped on him and a lot of questions that people have for him that, that feels like he doesn't know how to answer yet. And one of the things that I like about playing with you is Jonnet is kind of very upfront about not knowing how to answer those questions. He's like a character built around certainty because he's seen his own future and he knows he knows that he wants to go there. Um, but like the question of, you know, what what he's going to do when he gets there or what choices are he going to make along the way? Like those things still feel very up in the air. And everyone around him is just keeps telling him like, oh, you've got so much power and potential, which feels like an interesting journey to go on. I, I want to know, like, how how much do you identify with with Jonnet's journey so far? Like, do you feel pretty close to that? Huh. Well, I mean, like, I think there's definitely uh, you you talk about like me, Tyler, the person, like, yeah, <laughs> I, because I I and maybe this is me projecting, but I imagine that in your life there must be many times where people have told you that you're very talented or you're very skilled <laughs> or very smart, and that like you must have been like. I, I don't know what to do with all that, but thank you. So like, I'm, I'm kind of interested, like how, how you were approaching Jonnet's journey with, with some of those big questions of people heaping expectations upon him. Yeah. I mean, to that end, I guess there are levels of crossover. And I think I, I play, I historically have played Jonnet very close to myself, but in a higher register. <laughs> and so, I mean, there's there's definitely like a lot of, a little bit of overlap, just in terms of like, I, I always tried to be as earnest with like whatever I am doing and whatever like trying to like apply myself towards. And it felt like a very natural thing to just like, you know, in this grand adventure to have someone in the crew who's just like a little bit more wide eyed and like, whatever we're doing, let's do it like to the best that we can. And so I feel like there's a little bit of like a blank check that has been written for John in terms of like, Hey, no matter what, I mean, it feels like 
you know, no matter what happens, the end result will be John, it will be captain. And I think that has given a certain level of, and this is, you know, it's it's trippy because it's given a level of like, okay, I can I can like maybe sit back a little bit because we have you know two characters within the party that have you know 200 plus years of previous history that like is so interesting to to have them sort through but then you know there are moments where it's like I think this there have been moments where it's like okay this the liquid swords is Jonnet's next step but that also feels like almost as if it's like a decision that would split the party. And so it's like, oh, but I'm kind of, I'm very much like very interested in like, what's going on here? I got to, I want to like be around and have Jonnet be around while Gable and Travis are unpacking and sorting. And so there's a level of like, oh, it's okay because we'll get to that because it will happen because he will be captain. But there is, there's a level of like, okay, Let's like push that. Let's push that forward. And like, instead of being like, oh, I don't know. And like, this will happen when it happens. You know, having Jonnet himself have the autonomy to like, I'm going to pull this out and grasp this for myself, which I think led to one of my, my like, I don't know, favorite Jonnet moments of just like, kind of like, reaching through time and like pulling out the weapon like the Kasari Gama I thought that was like this very cool moment of like okay we've been talking about and we've acknowledged this future but now we're going to like interact with it and we're going to materialize it in some way uh which you know made me perk up yeah, that was that was a huge decision and it kind of blew my mind. Like there's a lot that I don't understand uh, about what Jonnet's future is and and what his visions mean because like one of the things uh that we're kind of seeing uh narratively mechanically about uh the sort of magic system that that we're dealing with that, that governs that is a lot of times uh, when a prophecy shows up in a piece of fiction, you know, there is the cop out of like, oh, that is a possible future that might happen or whatever. Like it's uh, a destiny that a character gets saddled with and they go, I don't know how I could ever be there. This can't be me. And like Jonnet's future is so fucking real that he can like reach out and touch it and pull things from it to help him now. Uh, so it is like a completely wild, different vision of of how to address something like prophecy, of how to address something like potential. Which I uh, one of the cool things that I have learned about like surprising moments like that is that doesn't actually make it less interesting, mm. even if you think it. Might might you know yeah i think it it comes down to like you know you know that you're going to go from a and you're going to end at b but like the in between it's like that's where you can that's where the fun is it yeah it feels like we're sort of making a prequel to something that doesn't exist but it's like <laughs> you know like we know this is this is our Phantom Menace, and we've got this like wide-eyed, 
like really earnest kid and we know someday he's gonna be darth vader or the captain (laughs) we don't know how that's gonna happen but we we know that we'll get there in three movies Mm. yeah but that that movie doesn't exist yet it would it'd be like if they started with phantom menace yeah (laughs) what if they did what if they did they wouldn't have gone anywhere (laughs) well i don't know i feel like they might have done phantom menace better something like that's kind of what i feel like it might have been more focused fair let's not talk about phantom menace there (laughs) there are enough places that we could talk about phantom menace um Uh, Oh, I, I one other thing that I, I wanted to say about Jonnet real quick is it, it, it is super fun <laughs> to have like a member of the team who is so like earnest because in I mean in the last campaign we just didn't really have that and it's so cool to to have someone who's like I don't know just so always trying to do what is like best and is is almost like incapable of of you know like gable and travis and like all of the other characters in in star wars campaign often like lied or gave into their or give into their like worst impulses and obviously like when jonah has to lie he'll lie but it's not it's not fun for him you know and it's just Mm. it's just so nice to have that like completely new perspective in a party that I have not played with before. That is really interesting, especially like Travis is somebody who lives right now in a place of like giving into dark impulses and and taking on self-destructive behavior. Murders. Uh, Gable, I actually don't see that way. Um, Gable, I think oftentimes is pretty much just trying to do the right thing. But it's a lot Um, of avoidance. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe that's it. Like Gable, Gable, I think is a little bit self-destructive in that they are tilting themselves at big challenges, and I think that is like a character arc wide sort of decision. Like I I can easily see how someone like Gable made the decision to kill God. Like I can really really see that. So like trying to do the the thing that you think is right in the biggest and most dramatic way or, you know, whatever, like that feels very authentic. But but Jonnet is like very close to the ground and like almost reflexively like, you know, will uh, on the banks uh, in a flooding river around people who are practicing this religion that feels very self-destructive, Jonnet will sit there and do magic and pull people across the rushing water literally until he passes out and almost not give it a second thought. In fact, spend a lot of his time afterwards being like, oh, you can't worship me as a prophet. That that could be bad for you. Like, it, that is a really cool and refreshing thing. It makes me think a lot about Superman, actually, as a character and mm-hmm. how people like constantly gripe about Superman not being uh, fun or interesting because he's always doing the right thing. Where we can see with someone like Jonnet, like he's got all the power in the world. He's like a, a, a mini god or whatever. And that has not stopped him from like struggling to do those things that he knows are right. Or feel conflicted about doing them, too. Yeah. I think that's also something to, like, 
to play with as like a narrative, like seed going forward of just like, where are there, are there moments in which like the character cracks or lies or, or something of the like. And I think that's like, yeah. Cause there, I also like, there's an aspect of like, yeah, it's a fully formed person. Like, and mm-hmm. at some point, you gonna fib, you gonna fib, you gonna like do something like that, and it's like, but the the circumstances around it, like that's that's like the 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 fun part. Absolutely, which is one of the reasons that I'm I'm looking forward to the we we are going to need to have some behind the scenes discussions more robust behind the scenes discussions <laughs> about what we want to do next because like i know the big thing that we're kind of looking forward at are Jonet's uh 16th birthday in Acheron mm-hmm. and kind of what that is going to look like because we get to put Jonet on the stage you know i have thought a lot about like the various arcs of the show focusing on different characters. Like I think that civility arc and for a big part of Bujanith was focused on Gable and just like sort of living with the fact that Gable is a fallen angel and like there's there's some wild stuff uh, to think through there. You know, we we saw Gable like brush up a little bit against the church in the beginning and against like bits of their identity that they hadn't been thinking through. And then we got to see Gable like authentically connecting to other people in Bujanith and like sort of figuring out who they were uh meanwhile you know Jonet and Bujanith like start got to like chew through some of the gristle of of what being himself meant uh which meant for a lot of those early arcs Travis was there but like off center stage and in Nordia thrust directly to center stage and like suddenly we we were very very focused and intense about who Travis was and why he was making the decisions that he was making and how he might be different moving forward. Uh, which means like in this next arc, the the big thing that we're looking at is for Jonet really to be the center of the story and what his development looks like there. He gets in the close up magic. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, of course. Yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah. Someone's, that's someone's got to legally. Yeah, we, <laughs> someone in the party. <laughs> we go to an Acheron rubber ducks game. We go <laughs> to downtown. Come on, rubber duck. We go to Zipper Stadium. We go to all the. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Acheron. That's that's cool. I am also very interested in these liquid swords. Can't wait for this. You the the pitch for them has always been like ooh ooh they're like because like they also have like this. Uh, do we have do we have like Arnie on commission to make some dope ass like uh liquid sword beats and shit? So so yeah, like we we've got Arnie um I, I have told Arnie multiple times, like, hey, we're we're approaching these liquid sword things. It's gonna be a part of Jonet's storyline. We need to start incorporating like beatbox and rhythm and into different themes and whatnot surrounding Mm -hmm. Jonnet. So like, yeah, Arnie knows that it's coming. Also like uh, one of the, 
future guests that I secured before, foolishly, I secured before the Ungoni arc uh, is is a rapper in their own right, uh, Lex, the Lexicon artist. Right. Um, and they, they are going to be coming in doing a guest spot and they have produced some music already for that spot. So like there is going to definitely be more of that musical edge and you know that we don't need to lean fully on on arnie for that arnie might be a music director and like mm. choosing how we develop that stuff but like arnie has assured me that he has a plan so Dope. uh i'll trust, trust him. that uh, yeah I trust that's him. also really fun because it feels like we've been we've been like teasing or building towards that since I mean, the very beginning, basically. Yeah. You know, it does feel to me that like we are doing stuff that we have been teasing at since the very beginning a lot recently. I mean, especially uh, the big elephant in the room to discuss is the captain is going to be coming in. We're going to be adding a new character to the mix. And like this is something our timeline for the captain being a character that has a voice and is stepping into the show has dramatically shifted. I don't know how much y'all picked up on this as players, but like the captain, I made the decision that the captain was kind of around as a ghost haunting his body very early on, mm -hmm. like in the episodes where I had the captain come out and shuffle the Illimat deck while JPC couldn't be with us for that recording. That was always kind of the plan is to like, yeah, the captain died, but like because necromancy in, is involved, like he's going to come back in some way. He's and, He's been winking you know, at us talking for... to since day one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like the, we finally get to, to pay off on this thing and, and we're doing it in a way that I, I feel really good about, like a talking to our sensitivity consultant and what we wanted to do. Like, I'm very excited about bringing this forward, but like we're about to add this new character to the narrative and everybody like we are going to be building up what your relationships with this person are are and you also like have these starting points i'm curious to to know what 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 y'all think about adding this new character how you're going to interact with them and uh, address them because things are uh wild like travis is is kind of in, in a tough place where i have been doing these scenes with oromar because it feels like you need to do some of these scenes like we we need these characters to begin offering their apology before we have somebody even in the role because it's just wild that nobody is talking about this yet but travis has you know pretty straightforward said like hey i made bad choices because i make bad choices <laughs> and i don't really know what what to offer with you with them like as uh, Johnny, like, what are you excited about? Like, what are you nervous about? Like, with somebody in that role, uh, how are you going to treat that relationship? I'm going to kill him for real day one. <laughs> um, no! <laughs> smart, smart. People I, are going to love that. I actually, I actually think a lot of it will have to do with like whoever we get to play him eventually. Um, mm -hmm. Because first of all, I want to obviously like know how what they want to do. But also, I think it'll depend on like how we we play together. You know, I think, for instance, I think like Liz said, a lot of the conversations that like Travis and Gable had, I think they would have been much different if someone other than Liz had been playing Gable. 
because mm. I just think that's the way that we like, you know, play with each other. So yeah, I think I think a lot of it will have to do with whoever comes in. I am excited. I mean, I'm excited to find out more about like whatever it was like in that sort of in-between space because selfishly like Travis is weirdly existing in a lot of that space too without really knowing. But I'm also excited to have like to just have a I think it's going to take a lot of the pressure off to have a real captain, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we re- re- very like super recently figured out stuff about like the island and what happened there and why he was there in the first place. And for me, that shifted a lot about how Gable perceives the captain, because right now that's that's so intimately tied with their thing for a while there. Gable's just like, and I was also there, but this is mm-hmm. it's a lot more of a intimate and fraught relationship now. And I'm interested to see how that plays. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Do you think Gable knew about what the captain was going after when they were on the island or was it really just like in that moment where, where the captain said that, that he has the crown that, that Gable knew for the first time, like, Oh, that's what you were doing. Yeah. I think I didn't, me Liz didn't know. And Gable also didn't know. <laughs> well, uh, I know Liz didn't know. But I know that only because like we mentioned specifically, the only reason Gable went to the Island was because draft asked. Mm-hmm. So it's like, right. Why would, there be a further investigation honestly yeah you, like the the interesting thing i think is all three of you for for this character who has yet to have have a performer step into his shoes have some very strong connections uh, with, with him already like you know both travis and the captain are being hunted by the cutting stone they're like sort of lives are are tied up in death in this weird way the captain is dealing with this huge fragment uh, of gable's past and in a lot of ways uh orimar is in the role that jonet sees himself one day being in like the captain is this celebrated heroic legendary captain who's in charge of this ship you know, like there are these like subtle shades of mentorship that that we're watching spark between them already. It, it feels like y'all y'all have these big relationships uh, that you know you're you're going to have to explore in like whatever this next arc is. Like we've got to figure out how to address some of these big tensions too. I, I was just gonna say, I think a a fun thing is going to be um i feel like a lot of the way travis will interact with him will be kind of like um you know like the palace guards at like buckingham palace how like people like try and make them laugh and stuff i think uh, i think that there's going to be that element of the relationship where it's like trying to win him over and be like hey we're (laughs) we're cool though right and like just sort of like (laughs) working at him (laughs) until until they you know probably won't be best buds but they they reach a more like whatever equilibrium they they eventually reach that really appeals to me because i kind of like the idea of travis going through a a period where he is trying really hard at something like Mm. that that feels like a big shift for him i forget exactly what it was but when we had that like conversation with him in the bar travis said something Mm -hmm. and the the captain was kind of like 
all right, you got me. I, I totally don't remember what it was, but the captain was like, all right, you got me that. That was pretty good. And I was like, that was like a very fun little like nugget to receive. And I'm excited to try and get more of those. That that is that is a super fun game to play. I, I'm curious, Tyler, what 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 do you want Jonnet's dynamic, or what do you see Jonnet's dynamic with with a captain being? Because you, I think, more than anyone, are you're like the most blameless person in <laughs> in a group of people who are pretty guilty. Like you know, in basically you are any the circumstance, year old who had. You had all these adults around you and they they did something bad. Like I, I I'm very curious to like how Jonnet kind of thinks of that generally and and what he will do now that like there is this person who's gonna be stepping into this role. This is actually the more that I'm talking about this, the more I want one arc before we hit Acheron because I want to solidly develop whatever the relationship between Jonnet and the captain is before we then go and meet Jonnet's dad. Uh mm. because that feels important. Yeah, I mean it feels as though at some point there would be a handoff moment from Oromar to Jonnet, the 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 title of like captain, like it felt like at some point it would be the Uhuru, but then also you kind of run into the question of like how do you take how do you take ownership of a ship from a uh from a person that doesn't die, that is that is dead. But like I feel like it would become like a a secret mentor mentee sort of thing. I think after Nordia and just kind of like seeing the display of strength from the captain of just like wanting to track down like, oh, what is this? Like, what is this this power that is like enough to like fend off the mariner? I can I can very much see Jonnet kind of kind of just like peeking into a door to just like look at the captain and just like see how he's like sitting and is like oh this is this is how a captain sits oh okay <laughs> this is how you take up space in a room yeah <laughs> oh that 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 is so much fun that, i i really like that that feels very much like the um spider-man like tony stark relationship kind of mhm yeah or, yeah. or the the Miles Morales Peter B Parker relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> like a very, mm-hmm. I see them uh, that meme of them sitting together <laughs> looking at the thing. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's 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 good. Yeah, uh, that that I think pretty solidly will will need a stop before we hit Acheron. Then, do, um, do you know when? And maybe this is not something that makes it to air this this part of the conversation but do you know when you want when in the story you want the new actor to come in so this is a pretty big question mark and it like i i'm gonna attempt to leave this in as as much of this in as we can i it, it depends on how quickly we are able to cast this person uh next wednesday at the time of this recording is when we're getting the third round audition reads in uh, for everybody. Those I'm going to review. I will be sending those files off to all of you. We'll be picking our favorites. 
I'm going to be interviewing some of those folks and then like a group of, I hope, hopefully a very small group, we are going to be scheduling like improv auditions with where they will, you know, do a scene with all of us to sort of see like, you know, what, what sort of ensemble can, can we build with this person? And from there, we as a group will talk about who we want to go with. That feels like it could take some time, but like if we can do that by the end of May, we can bring the captain in relatively soon. There are things like I seeded one of the things that I do know I'm going to be keeping from the last recording is that person who came in and is like, hey, we're not we're part of the crew that's not satisfied with the captain. I think that is going to be one of the challenges that this performer is going to have to come in and have this character overcome is they have, it's been almost a year that they haven't actually been able to be the captain and decisions have kind of been made without them being able to do anything about it. They're going to have to like reassert who they are and what their authority is. Um, that feels very compelling to me. Um, but like, I would love to ideally in the interlude that we have before we go to the next location is address some of that in some way as we do, you know, one of our bottle episodes where everybody gets to talk on the ship. I haven't decided whether we're going to do another grand fire yet. Uh, Mm. uh, that'll be, that'll be something that we all decide together. But like, ideally we have this new performer come in and like, they get to talk a little bit. And like that scene that I set up literally at the end of this recording, I kind of would love to jump in on this scene where we can have this performer talk to the rest of the crew about, hey, where are we going to go next? What are we going to do next? Because one of the things that I've been telling all of you for a while is that once you get this money from the feather weave, you know, you have a bunch of money, you have favors from the Tempest Armada, you can do whatever you want. Like the world really is your oyster. And so I'm very curious to see when the your crew doesn't have a job that like, okay, obviously we need to take this feather weave that we captured and sell it somewhere. Obviously we need to complete that transaction. Now with no obvious questions, like what what do you do if you're in charge of a pirate ship? You know, I feel like we will need at least one full episode of the captain putting all of the things in his quarters back the way he likes it, because you know we messed it up real good. <laughs> Fuck, that's that's very very funny to me. Like, oh, there are so many cool things that we can do as soon as we have this person cast. Yeah, the, the hats are all all the books are out. Of, it's a fucking mess in there. <laughs> oh man, that that, that that'll be a fun bottle episode is like literally cleaning that office and putting things back the way he wanted it and also seeing why and how you moved things around the the captain is how you know a cup of pens picks one up and it's like why this pen's out of ink why would you put it back in the cup just throw it out just over <laughs> like pulls like five pens out of the cup and they're all just out of ink i i feel like i'm waiting for and this is gonna fucking I feel like this is gonna pooch the bit um <laughs> if if we do it, but like having a moment where in any other circumstance leading up to this, like something will be submitted to the captain and the captain would wink, but then like now it's it's up to uh, this new player 
to decide if he's going to do the the quintessential wink and like i feel like that feels like a a a program from Dreff where it's that might mm-hmm. not even have been part of the captain's real like personality. Well, at- we did mention that the captain does wink. Okay. Like, right. so that is something mm-hmm. that, that we can preserve, but right. I will no. tell you, I am extremely interested in passing that off to another performer and seeing what they do with it. Like it is, this is a, such an unprecedented thing where like there are catchphrases and like <laughs> things built for this character that somebody can choose to come in and use or develop in whatever way they want. Like I am really, really interested in seeing how that, that breaks down. Before we end the episode, I want to note that this episode was edited by our own Allison Grauer. And before we end the episode, I also wanted to thank some of our backers on Patreon. Andy Etter, thank you. Captain Facepalm, thank you. Maddie Rose, thank you so much. Jack Lundy, thank you. Chris, thank you. Tony Vizinda, thank you so much. Leland, thank you. Justin Burgess, thank you very much. That Gamer Priest, uh, who also hosts the Happy Holy Hour Batman stream, where I recently spent three hours talking about the influence of my upbringing, uh, specifically my upbringing in the Catholic Church, uh, and what that had on Sphere. There's also tons of really great lore in there, too, so I highly recommend it. You can find that on That Gamer Priest's YouTube page. Steel Starling, thank you very much. Timothy Carter, thank you. Scarlet Sasquatch, thank you very much. Timothy Scrag, thank you so much. Watson, thank you very much. Thaden, thank you. Mopey Lopey, thank you very much. Sonny Kibu, thank you so much. Andy Henchy, thank you. And Eli Jonathan, thank you so much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. If you want to enjoy this illustrious list of names, you can head over to patreon.com slash podcast and sign up to support our network. That helps us bring you this show every week. And now, the credits. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at @campaignpod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at ATPTunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y, P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. 
Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at oneshotpodcast.com.